Hadassah, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bacheva Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by women. I hope you enjoy. If you'd like to follow along inside the text, you can find a fully vowelized PDF of the DAF at www.batshevalearningcenter.com slash DAF. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is an exciting day. We're going to be learning the last DAF of the Masechta today, um, and we're going to conclude with continuing our discussion about the decline of the generation and specifically what's... Um, the type of things we're going to be seeing as we got closer to the times of Mashiach. Um, some of these things are going to seem somewhat negative, um, but we'll see as we you know, go through it that there's, there's sort of like a positive spin to, to what the Gemara is really trying to tell us here. And just as, as a general introduction, um, you know, Masech ends off with a discussion about Mashiach, um, because, you know, the, like we said, we've been saying throughout this whole Masechta, um, the whole process of the Saita is sort of symbolic of a time of Gullus in general, right? When this woman is sort of um, estranged from her husband temporarily and the ultimate goal is for her to come back, um, that's sort of telling us sort of what the whole purpose of Gullus is really, is that even when, when there's sort of this temporary distance or separation that we have from Hashem, the ultimate goal is is to reach the times of Mashiach, which is how this Masechta concludes. Um, so... Yes, let's let's dive in. So with that, we'll dive right in. We're going to pick up right at the bottom of Memchas Ahmed Bey's, where we left off yesterday. Uh, it's four lines from the bottom of the page, the middle of the line. Uh, the Mishnah said, "Pasku uh, Anshe Amana." Right, the men of uh, of faith have ceased. Right. So the Gemara asks, "My Anshe Amana, who are these men of?" Faith that we're talking about. Oh, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Elu b'nai Adam shehim aminim v'kadosh baruch hu. Right, I'm talking about people who believe in, in Hashem, in Hashem's help. Itani Rabbi Lezer v'agadol aimer. Learn a bright set that Rabbi Lezer v'agadol said, Call me yishdi yishlei pas v'sale, anyone who has bread in his basket, v'aimer, and says, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Right, that's someone who is lacking in faith because he doesn't trust that, you know, he has what he has today and he doesn't trust that Hashem will provide for what he needs the next day. Just a, just a note about this. Um, so first of all, the, the you know, there's, there's many um, sort of characteristics or, or um you know, perspectives, which the Torah tells us to have, which, of course, we only apply to ourselves and not to others. Um, so, you know, there's th- th- this is one example of that, right, where, you know, for yourself, of course, you should trust in Hashem and not, and not be worried about where's my, my um, sustenance coming tomorrow. But of course, we shouldn't have that attitude towards other people. Um, and there's this famous idea from the Katsuka Rabbi where the Katsuka says, you know, everything in, in, everything in the world comes from Torah, um, even atheism. So what's the source for atheism in the Torah? Um, is this idea of tzedakah, right? That, that when it comes to, to other people, we have to almost behave as if we're atheists, right? We have to, um, we can't say like, oh, Hashem, Hashem will provide for them, right? Don't worry, you know, you'll have your food tomorrow. Like we have to take responsibility ourselves to ensure that people have what they need and not sort of just say we're relying on Hashem. But of course, when it comes to our own, um, for ourselves, then we can have that attitude. Um, and actually, you know, what's interesting is that the language here is specifically pas right? Someone, if, if you have bread in your basket now, then, um, 
then you shouldn't be you shouldn't be worried about tomorrow, right? And the question is why? Why would it matter if I have it in my basket now, right? Like either way, I should have trust in Hashem for tomorrow, right? Um, so so just two uh, two answers to that question. So the Ben Yada says that um, you know if somebody's hungry now, like right now, I don't have what I need. It's almost like you can't blame him for 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 sort of having this this concern or this worry about the future. Um, but if, but if you're someone who has what you need now, then like there's no excuse to not to not have that type of faith. Um, and and another idea is that that the Belzer the Belzer talks about this and says that um, the the Gemara specifically telling us when someone has pospisali, meaning even when you have what you need, right, you should still recognize that that it's from Hashem, right? Don't feel confident and feel secure, like oh, I already have what I need, I'm okay, but still realize that that Hashem is the one who's giving whatever you have right now. It's also being given to you um, by Hashem. And there's this you know story in the Zayar where the Zayar describes how. Um, Rabbi Yossi Saba, he used to daven for, you know, when, when he would sit down to have his meal and the food was right in front of him, he would still daven to Hashem, that Hashem give him food, right? Even though it was right there. Because um, he had this this realization that, of course, Hashem is, you know, recreating the world at every moment. And, um, you know, even what we already have um, is also um, being able to appreciate and recognize that that's a gift from Hashem. Um, and of course, you know, just to just to point out, this does not mean that a person shouldn't do their, shouldn't do their, um, you know, put an effort in order to, you know, make a living and to sustain themselves. Of course, this is not negating someone putting in their own work um, in order to, you know, do whatever, you know, take do whatever natural means it takes to to take care of themselves. Um, but the idea is to to recognize that it's not your effort that's actually bringing the blessing. It's Hashem that's bringing that to you. And the, you know, the Bear Mayim Chaim gives the example of um, planting a seed in the ground, right? It's like you, you just have to plant one seed and then the ground will, the earth sort of allows that seed to grow and develop into a whole plant. Um, but it's, it's obvious to you that I'm just planting that one little seed, but it's the earth that's sort of allowing that seed to grow into what it, um, what it then develops into. So um, oh, that's, pretty, that's such a great muscle. Yeah. Very difficult idea. I think a lot of people struggle, you know. Yeah, balancing that. <laughs> yeah, balancing those two things. Um, right, so that's that's Tanayamana. Uh and behind you is Amar Urbelazar. That's the meaning of what Urbelazar said. My what's the meaning of the Pasak? Kimi Basliam Katnas. Who plunders the day? Katnus, small things. So what does this mean? So me garam letzadikim. Who causes the righteous? She's bazbeis shulchanan lasadlabei that plunders or ruins their day, their reward uh, in Gan Eden. Katnus shahayabahen, right there, the katnus that was that was part of their character. Shalayhem mina bekarish baruchu. Or we see here even people who are called tzadikim can be guilty of this of not believing in Hashem uh, to the high standard. Uh, that someone that the Anshe Amana are held to. Rabbi Amar, Rabbi has a different explanation of this. Pasuk, he says, Mi Bazlayan, who plunders the day of judgment. Those are the Katane B'nai Rishi Yisrael, the young children of the uh, Rishan amongst the Jewish people. Uh, and he says that, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, tragically, uh, a young child can be punished for their parents' sins. And what does it mean to espouse the din of Yehemla Asad Love? It doesn't mean they plunder or destroy their father's uh, portion of Ganesan. So I mean, Lafan, if they say before Hashem or Benishalem, you are destined to 
punish them, you know, punish my parent for the evil deeds that they have done. So why did you blunt their teeth, right? With the death of a child, you know, making them suffer in this world. Uh, while, you know, and therefore diminishing the punishment again in the next. So we love and Rachia said, If not for the prayers of David HaMelech, all Jews would be sellers of fat. Uh, really like, which was considered kind of basically the lowest level occupation, right? On the totem pole, right? Kind of like the garbage collector, right? Selling fat is very, first of all, the fat would like stick to your clothes and make you all greasy and smelly, right? So it says that without David's prayers, the entire Jewish people would be, uh, would be limited to just that very low rung on the economic ladder. Shinamar, as it says, Shisa Hashem Marilahem, place for them mastery, right? Give them an honorable profession. And Rebella of Arachia said a similar teaching. If not for the prior of Chabakuk, two Torah scholars would have to cover themselves with one talis because uh, of their so poor. And while they engage in Torah, Shinemar says, Hashem Shemati Shemacha, Yer Hashem Halacha, Vakarif Shtaim Chayeyu. So it says, uh, Hashem, you know, I heard your report and I was afraid. Uh, and your your deeds amongst two people who are like sustaining themselves. So also grab a care of Stein. Don't see say amongst uh sorry, so the, the simple meaning is actually shunim years. So don't say care of shunim in the midst of years, Allah care of right? In the midst of two. Uh meaning I was afraid when I heard what you know what you decreed uh on the you know, two people, two Torah scholars who are studying together. But Amar says a third teaching, two Torah scholars who walk together and there are no words of Torah between them. We're only sorry if they're worthy of being burned, of ish and fire. Shadamar, as it says, Behold, they were walking. It's talking about Elisha and Eliyahu, uh, the very last walk of Eliyahu's life in this world, right? It says that they're they're walking together and speaking, and they saw a chariot of fire in heaven, right? Which eventually takes Elisha, Eliyahu up to Shemai. So Rabila says, Taima, the reason why the, the chariot of fire um, passed just passed by, passed them by without harming them to Ika Dibor is because they were speaking words of Torah. Halaka Dibor, which implies that if they weren't speaking words of Torah, Rui Masar, they'd be fit to be burned. For Amar says, there are two Torah scholars who dwell in the same city. The they don't um, you know, they don't like kind of live peaceably together with regard to halacha. They don't learn from each other's halachic methods. Um, one of them will die, and one of them will be exiled. A very harsh uh, punishment. Shemar, as it says, right? it says about the Ir Meklet, that somebody who, it's a place, a Ir Meklet is a place where a murderer can flee there, uh, a murderer who has killed someone without knowing. The Ein Das, Elatora Das, always means Torah, Shinemar, Nidmu Ami, Mivli Hadas, 
uh, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge, right? And their das means Torah. Amar Rehuda Brajer Rehia, Rehuda, son of Rehia, said, "Call Tamar Chacham Isaac B'Tar B'Tzeich Hatachak." Any Torah scholar who engages in Torah study, uh, despite the pressure of poverty, Tfilah and Ishmas, his prayers are certainly answered. Shnemer Ki Ambetzi and Yeshev Yishlaim, Bachel Etivcha Chanach 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 Right? Kishmasai Anacha. Right? So it says, um, you know, the people who dwells in Sion. And you're alive. Don't cry anymore. Like Hashem's certainly going to be gracious to you and answer your cry. Uh, when he hears you, as soon as he hears you, he's going to answer you. It says afterwards, it says Hashem's going to give you, uh, you know, a very small amount of bread and uh, very little water. Right. So this is indicating that this pasuk saying Hashem's going to answer you right away is talking about somebody who is poor and nevertheless remains devoted to a life of Torah. Aribahu Amar Aribahu says, uh, not this Torah scholar who, you know, uh, learns despite being poor, not only has his prayers answered, but must be an Oso, right? He uh, is satiated with the glory of the Shlina, right? The Shlina rests on him. Right? That same Pasuk above uh, from Yeshayahu said, uh, and your eyes will see your teacher, right? Maracha meaning uh, Hashem. Also the pargaid, the sort of curtain that can generally conceals and separates a person from Hashem uh, is not is not uh, locked before him. And your teacher shall not hide himself anymore. Rishim and Gamliel, Rishim and Gamliel says, Bishim Rabbi Yeshua, uh, the name of Rabbi Yeshua, Miyayim Shechar Besamekdash, Ein Achulu. So uh, this is a quote from the Mishnah. Uh, Rishim and Gamliel had said, from the day that the, temp- the Besamekdash was destroyed, uh, every day has some sort of curse associated with it. Um, and Rabbi says, I'm a Rabbi. Rabbi sort of adds on to this and says, Not only is every day cursed, but every day's cursed is, is greater than the one before it. How do you know this? Shinamar says in Devarim in the Psukim, uh, which I actually read just recently in the Teichacha, it says in the morning, you're going to say, Who, like, if only it were evening, uh, in the evening, you're going to say, If only it were morning. Uh, so high book air. So what what does it mean? Uh, it's kind of unclear what the what the pasuk means, <laughs> right? It says if only it were morning. So what what morning is does it mean? Maybe it means the morning of tomorrow. But if that's the case, Mia the my hobby, right? Like why would you wish for it to be tomorrow? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Allah the chalif. It must be the morning of the day before. So this pasuk is saying, you know, every since things just get progressively worse. So in the and then now you say, oh, if only it were morning, things were much better then. Uh, but then already, by the following morning, you're like, oh, if only it was last night. Just, just to know, you know, of course, this is not just meant to be like a depressing, <laughs> um, you know, not meant just to depress us. Um, but the, the reason why the, the, the Gemara is telling us this is because, um, first of all, it wants, us to mo- wants to motivate us to increase in, in light and goodness when we're in this time. Um, and also just to let us know that anytime things look like they're in a negative state, um, we should be aware that, that means that Mashiach is closer, right? Like we're coming closer to sort of a lead up to a, uh, you know, a brighter time. <laughs>
Right, it's going somewhere. Um, there's a plan. Um, so then the Gamora actually says, right, kind of, you know, on the heels of this really, as you said, depressing uh, description, the Ella Alma, I'm a Kamakayim, right? If things are so terrible and so bad, how does the world continue? There must be some saving grace, something good that is still in the world. So it says, Akadusha de Sidure, because of the Kadusha. Uh, which is said in the sitter. So it doesn't mean Kedusha during, um, during like the Hazar Sashat. It means like Ubal where it actually says Kedusha in Hebrew uh, and also in Aramaic in the translation. So it says, because of that, saying that paragraph Ubal that sustains the world. And the Kaddish, which is said after learning a portion of Agada. Shanamar, Eretz Asa, Kamai Eiffel Salmas, Velaisadarit. It says the land, and Eov, it says it's a land of thick darkness, a land in the shadow of death without any order. Belay Siddhar, without order. Hayesh Siddhar, that implies that if there are orders, meaning here orders of, of davening, of Tfilis, Tafia Ma'ifel, the land will, you know, be un, you know, will be free of the darkness. Belay Yaritala Bracha, and so that so the Mishnah had further said that since the discretion of the base of Mikdash, dew has not descended for blessing, Paris, and the taste of the Paris of fruit is gone. Um Rashimalazar had said, Tara Butla since the purity has left the Jewish people, uh, the taste and the aroma of fruit is no longer there. Meiser, Betel Shomains again, um, because Meiser wasn't taken, the sustaining quality of grain has been taken away. Okay, so we have a very fascinating and somewhat enigmatic story here about the idea that Atara, uh, this high level of purity, was associated with being able to smell fruit. So, Rabhuna Ishkach Tumrata Dachinonita, right? It says that uh, Rabhuna once found a fragrant date, Shakla Karche Besidre. So he took it and he wrapped it in his shawl. Asa Rabba Bray. So, Rabba, the son of Rabhuna, uh, came, you know, and he met him and he says, Amrly, he said to him, Morkana Recha Dachinonita. Ah, I smell the aroma of this like fragrant date. Uh, Ravuna says, Amrila, he said to him, Wow, Bani, I see that you have a high level of purity uh, because you're able to smell the fruit. You have a Nealai. So, so Ravuna gave this date to his son. So just then, Abba, the son of Rava and the grandson of Ravuna, came and, and met them. Uh, and so Rabba gave it to gave the t- date then to his son Abba. Um, so now Ravuna, right, the grandfather, says to his son Rabba, "I'm really." He says, "Bni, uh, I kind of have mixed feelings about this whole story. On the one hand, Samachta is Levi. Uh, you've gladdened my heart because I see that you're in a high spiritual state because you're able to smell the date. Like he says, Shina, you've also blunted my teeth." Um, because you show me that you prefer your son over me, meaning you gave that you chose to give the date to your son rather than give it back to me, your father. To so, Amri Inchi, this is like as people say, as the common saying goes, uh Dibne Abne that a father has mercy uh, and love for his son, 
but the son um, has his love is for his own sons, really, meaning a son, a father loves a son more than a son really loves the father. Uh, so now we're going to have another story, which kind of illustrates this point of like the bond between a father and son is not really comparable to a grandfather and a grandson. Rav Ahabarakov, Rav Yaakov, Itbal Bey, Rav Yaakov Barbarte. So he uh, took care of his grandson, Yaakov, who was the son of his daughter. Kigadal, when Rav Yaakov, the grandson, grew up, Amrle, he said to uh, Rav Acha, like asked his grandson, Amrle, he said to him, Ashkai Maya, get me, the, get me water. Right? So the first time explained, apparently Rav Yaakov was in the midst of Torah learning, and normally, uh, you know, he wouldn't be allowed to pause at this point, but, you know, the only exception would be Kibud Abba'im. Uh, you know, if his father had asked him, it's a mitzvah to like, bring water, and so he'd be allowed to stop. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov said to him, Amrla, he said to him, you know, although, you know, you've taken care of me all my life and you raised me, you're not my father, and therefore I'm not allowed to stop my learning to uh, bring it to you now. And this is, as people say, Rabbi, Rabbi, right? You can raise, you can raise your grandchild, but at the end of the day, he's going to turn around and say, I'm the son of your daughter. Uh, I'm not your son. So that's the end of this Gemara. And now we're on to the final Mishnah of the Homo Sachta. Awesome. But Polos Shell Aspianus. So it says during the War of Vespasian, uh, right? So this is the fi- final battle of the Romans against Yerushalayim, which ultimately, uh, you know, began was the beginning of the end, right? Of uh, the destruction of the base of Mekdash. Gadru al Ataris Chasanim Bahal Iris. They uh, banned the wreaths of bridegrooms, and uh, Iris is a type of instrument which we'll actually discuss. In the Gemara, what that was. The Puma Shaltitus, Gazrael Ataris Kalis, in the War of Titus, uh, which was the following, and that was the one, Titus was the one who actually destroyed the Beit Mikdash. He they decreed that um, Kalis also shouldn't have a wreath on their wedding day, uh, and that a person should not teach his son Greek. But Puma Ta'acharon, meaning the Greek, uh, well, we'll discuss it, yeah, yeah, whether it was Greek language or, or wisdom. But Pomos Ta'achron, Parion, right? In the last war, they decreed that a bride should not go out on a Iparion. The English word is a palanquin, but basically it's a kind of like couch which um, the bride would sit on, and four people would carry the legs of the couch and carry her that way through the city. Uh, but the stages later permitted a bride to go out on this Iparion as long as it's inside the city. Mishimeth, the mayor, right? So now we're going to list more things that ceased uh, as the generations progressed. Mishimeth, the mayor, Batlu, Meshalim. For when the mayor died, those who can teach Meshalim uh, parables ceased. Mishimeth, then Azai, Batlu, Hashem, When Ben Azai died, those who are diligent in Torah study ceased. Mishameser ben Zoma, Batlu Hadarshanim. When ben Zoma died, the honor of the Torah, the, uh, sorry, those who can 
darshan, right, and expound the Torah. These we should make sure we keep a batel kol Torah. When we keep a died, the um, the honor of the Torah ceased. We should make sure Rechnia ben Dosa batlu anche meisa from Rechnia ben Dosa died. Men of wondrous actions, right? Perhaps of miracles, right? Uh, uh, ceased. Um. We know, right, because we know, I mean, there were these amazing miracles attributed to Rathena Mendoza. Actually, some of the only things we know about Rathena Mendoza are the miracles that he performed. Um, Misha Mace, Rabbi Yossi, uh, when Rabbi Yossi died, Katanta Pascu. When Ariosi Katanta died, um, pious, you know, pious people seized. Why was he called Ariosi Katanta, right, the small one? That in his generation, there was a scarcity, uh, only a small number of pious people already. passed away um, the... Uh, glory of wisdom ceased. We should raise Rabbi Leil Hazaken, Basel Kotar, and Rabbi Leil Hazaken died. The honor of the Torah ceased. You missed the Torah, precious and purity and um, separation right from the physical world ceased. We should raise Rabbi Shmuel ben Pabi, Batlas of Kahuna. When Rabbi Shmuel ben Pabi passed away, the uh, glory of the Kahuna ceased. We should raise Rabbi Batel and and finally. Um, and Rabbi died, um, humility and fear of sin ceased. Um, okay, so some additions here will actually start the Gemara. Others will, for others, the Gemara, the Mishnah will continue on. Um, but at any rate, it's a either continuation of the Mishnah or a Brisa. Uh, and we're continuing the list of things that ceased. So where we may, Pinchas ben Yar, where Pinchas ben Yar says, Yishachar based the Mekdash, from the time when the base of Mekdash was destroyed, by Shuchaverin, uh, the Chaverim, right, which were kind of like the, you know, the from, the, the kind of elite of the Jewish community of Nechorin, uh, and those of noble lineage uh, were ashamed, Chafu Rosham, um, and their heads were covered right in shame. The Dalzu on Shemaisa, men of action, dwindled the Gavlu Bali Zrara, and those of men of force prevailed, Ubali Leshon, and those who were, you know, kind of smooth talking. The Ain Darsh, Ain Mavakish, Ain Shell, there none seek, none ask, and none inquire uh, of matters of importance. Upon whom we rely, only our Father in heaven. Uh, from the day that the second base of was destroyed, um, the Chachamim, uh, the scholars, became like scribes, uh, which really is a name for school, like school teachers. The Safraic Chazanaya and the Sefer, right? The school teachers became uh, on the level that uh, the um, the beat of uh, the uh, those who would like you know manage communal affairs uh those who would manage communal affairs Ka'amadara would be like those like the ignoramuses but Amadara and those the, the ignoramuses Azla the Dilzla uh just went and um deteriorated the ancient style of Ain Lavakesh there's no one asking and no one seeking. Who can rely on other than their father in heaven? 
He also said, "Ikbar's Mashiachat, right in the heels of the Messianic age, chutzpah yaska, right? Chutzpah will increase. Um, the Yagari Amir, right? Uh, and high, like things will get very expensive. Hagefen titain piria, vayain biyoker. Even though there'll be abundant crop of grapes, the wine will still be expensive. Umachas tapat aminas, the government will turn to." Heresy, the ain't a chachas, and no one will be able to rebuke them. Base vad yil is nus, the house of the sages will become a place of promiscuity. Vagalal yicharib, vagavlam yasum, vanchik vul yisaibibum a yearly year, vallah yichayanu, right? The gala will be destroyed, gavlam will be desecrated, and the men of the border shall just go from city to city seeking tzedakah, but no one will take mercy on them. From Titrach, the wisdom of the cipher and the scribe will just uh, will spoil, right? Because no one wants to learn it. The Yeri Chet Yamasub, the people who are Yeri Shemayim, will be despised. The MST and Adaris, truth will be absent. Naaram plays the kingdom Yalbinu. Young men will um, embarrass their elders. Sakinim Yamdu and Pekatanim. Elders will have to stand before. Uh, the the young they're the young people. Ben Manavel Av, a son will disgrace the father. Bas Kama a daughter will rise against her mother. Kala and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Ida Ish Anche Besai, a man's greatest enemies will be his own household members. Kane Hadar the face of the generation will be like a dog. Haben Eno Mispayesh Me Aviv, a son will not be afraid of his father. Mali, Shanili Shine, Albino Shvime, and finally, uh, again, upon whom can we rely? Only our Father in heaven. Just so, just a few thoughts about this Mishnah. Um, so, so, first of all, Inlanu, uh, uh, sorry, um, right? So, like, sort of it seems a little bit out of place that phrase we keep repeating it um but what's the connection we're listing a bunch of sort of negative occurrences um leading up to times of mashiach why are we sort of sticking that in there so one one interpretation is actually that this is also telling us one of the negative things that are going to happen before times of mashiach is that people are just going to be saying oh you know what could we do like you know we're in this really bad place like what could we do you know you know we can only rely on Hashem meaning people aren't going to take responsibility for for fixing things they're just going to say oh we'll just you know Hashem Hashem should take care of it um sort of misplaced uh you know reliance on Hashem um that's one idea. Also here, this idea of, you know, the, the face of the generation will be like the face of a dog. What does that mean? Um, so there's many, many different uh, interpretations of what that means. Um, just just a couple of them. Um, so the Maharsha says that, you know, dogs, right, Kelev, comes from the word kulai lev, that they're all all heart, right? So it says that the, the face of the generation will be like the face of a dog, meaning that only on the face, like only superficially, will they seem to be show love and, and care for other people, but it's, it won't be sincere, right? They won't, they won't have, there won't be true love between people. Um, the Chafetz Chaim says that, you know, the same with the dog when you throw a stick and the dog chases after it, um, you know, the dog doesn't try to find who threw the stick, right? They just chase after the stick, right? They're not going to, like, take note of the fact that there's somebody behind it who threw it, right? And that's sort of symbolic of the fact that, that you know, the times before Mashiach, um, Hashem will sort of be, have a stick, meaning Hashem will sort of, you know, bring bring hardships to the Jewish people in order to p- encourage them and inspire them to, to, to do tshuva, 
And instead of realizing that this is coming from Hashem, people will just sort of try to fix the situation in other ways instead of realizing, like, wait, there's somebody behind this. There's Hashem is actually sending this to us um, to sort of teach us a lesson. Um, and just one final thought from the from the Vilda Gun, he says that the, you know, when you see a dog walking, the dog will usually walk ahead of his master. So it looks like the dog is leading the way when really the master who's walking behind it um, is really, is really, um, is really the leader, right? And he says that's sort of what's going to happen at the time before Mashiach is that the leaders will, it will appear like they're leading, but really the leaders are going to be so like scared and so, um, you know, kind of looking to see if the people approve or disapprove of what they're doing, that they're not going to really be real leaders, right? They're really, it will look like they're leading, but really their masters are really the people who are, who are their followers. Um, so that's just a little bit about the, the Pnei Kelev, right? Being like the face of a dog. Um, but just, just another idea here, like to kind of see it, like take a positive spin on all of these things, right? First of all, this idea of chutzpah, right? There being this, this generation being a generation of chutzpah. So, you know, a face value, you know, at first glance, that seems to be a negative thing, but you know, a lot of the, you know, some of the commentaries here say this can also be a, a positive thing, right? That, you know, t- to, for a person to, to have a certain confidence and not be concerned about what other people think, right? To have almost a certain, this audacity in terms of doing the right thing. Thing, that can also be an expression of chutzpah in, in a positive sense. Um, and the Degel Machne Ephraim also says in a similar vein, right, that having this chutzpah when you talk to Hashem, right, when you daven, to, to, to believe that your prayers actually matter and they actually have an impact, it almost takes a certain audacity, a certain chutzpah to be able to do that. Um, and that's sort of a positive type of chutzpah. Um, also this idea of the, the children um, embarrassing their, their, their parents, right? And again, that's, of course, a, a simple level just means having disrespect but you know on a in a positive way um this can mean you know children being able to devote themselves so wholeheartedly to Torah mitzvahs in a way that's even greater than their parents did right sort of demanding a, a higher level or a higher higher standard than the generations before them and that's really like a positive um expression of this and we see specifically here it mentions the woman right the daughters and, and their mothers and the daughters-in-law right embarrassed you know um their, their mothers-in-law. Um, so actually in the secret, talks about how that's talking specifically about, about women, um, sort of having this revolutionary, sort of creating this, this feminist revolution in a positive way and accomplishing things that women in previous generations were never able to do. So all of these things can sort of be seen in sort of a positive light as well. Um, and it just, just, just one more idea, um, that, that one of the commentaries say is that, you know, even if we do see these as, as more negative things, the Mishnahs and Tongas is just as like, like we said before, like just to tell us how horrible things are going to be. It's trying to tell us that, you know, don't like, even though all the generations before you may have, may have seemed to be so much more worthy of Mashiach coming, the fact that you're living in such a difficult generation, um, when you do devote yourself to doing the right thing, your, your service of Hashem is so much more valuable, right? Because you're living in a time when, um, it's so much more difficult to, to be committed. Um, that's sort of what's going to make us deserving of having Mashiach is the fact that we're living in a more difficult time. So this is sort of meant to be like encouraging us that, that this is like our, our service of Hashem is going to mean so much more, which is why Mashiach will come in that generation. Yeah, and I think it, it it works in the sense that I think the association, the like Jewish association with suffering, is like oh, Mashiach's coming, right? So we have that right, like this messaging, right? Instead of feeling like oh, giving up, like perhaps we've been forgotten, that itself is, I guess, um, you know, an encouraging sign in itself. 
Yeah. Um, so we're going to start analyzing the Mishnah, starting with the first statement. It says that when the um, Vespasian's army um, attacked Yerushalayim, they decreed that uh, Hassanim could no longer wear crowns. So Amar Rav, Rav said, They only banned crowns of salt and sulfur, which Rashi describes that apparently uh, they were accustomed to making these like decorative crowns or I guess like hats out of um, clear rock salt and then they would like design engrave designs in that rock salt with sulfur um, but it, like of myrtle and roses that's totally fine Shmuel said even myrtle and a myrtle and rose kind of wreath would be usher but but of um, reeds and bulrushes is allowed just Side note, I did look this up when I was preparing for this stuff, and reed and bulrush wreaths are a thing on Pinterest. They're actually quite beautiful. So um, just in case you're wondering why someone would do that. Um, but so, but apparently it's not, obviously not as fancy as like myrtle or roses or rock salt. So that would still be fine. That was not included in the ban. But Levy, I remember Levy has the strictest view. Even a reed and bulrush wreath would be usher. Uh, and that's actually how Levi teaches in his Brisa, even, and he explicitly says, even all wreaths were forbidden, even of a reed and bulrush wreath. Vala iris, right? So he said that they also banned uh, iris, which is a type of instrument. So my iris, what is iris? So Amar Valeza, Valeza said, tavla dechad puma, it's a type of drum with one like bell inside of it. Um, Rabbi Baruchuna, uh, so Rabbi Baruchuna, Avad Levrei Tanbura. So Rabbi Baruchuna, uh, when his son got married, uh, he made him a tambourine, right? Which is basically, if you think about what a tambourine is, right? It kind of has like a little bit like a drum on the top. And then there are these, it's not quite a bell on the side, but these little clappers, right? So Asa Abue, Rahuna, Rabbi Baruchuna's father, who was Rahuna, uh, came, uh, the tambourine, and he, Smashed it. He smashed the tambourine. Amarly said to him, puma. This looks too similar to a drum with the bell in it. Uh, go make him a small drum, either on the mouth of an earthen earthenware drug or a kafiza, which is kind of like a measuring cup. Uh, and that, you know, won't be, you know, that's fine because it won't be confused with the forbidden instrument. Okay, so the next thing they wish to said was right during when Titus uh, attacked Yerushalayim, they said that Kalis also can't wear crowns. My Ataris Kalis, what is the crowns of a Kalis? So Amar Barachana, Barachana said, uh, Amar Biochan in the name of Biochan, Yerushal Zahav, it's something called a city of gold. So they would have like this golden crown with the engraving of a city on it. Tanya, now you have a a Brisa which supports this interpretation. Uh, what is the Brisa says, what are the crowns of Kalis? Yerushalza, right? Uh, the city of gold. You can make a bride a sort of a cap of fine wool. Right? So we're taught that uh, at the same time, they also decreed on the canopy. Uh, that was traditional for Hassanim. My Chupas Hassanim. So, what is uh, the Chupas Hassanim? 
Um, so the Hieratimuzuhevis, right? So with like this like golden crimson cloth, which was draped over the chuppah, right? So that was what was forbidden. Tani Namihaki, uh, we have a brisa which supports this interpretation. The brisa says, Eloin Khapasan, this is what is meant by Khapasanim, the Hieratimuzuhevis, uh, right? If it's like golden crimson. But you can make like a papyrus uh, construction, you know, I guess like just like a cheaper material, and then you could hang whatever you'd like on it, even ornaments of gold. Uh, so it also says that during the same time, uh, the Chacham the, uh, decreed a person should not teach his son Greek. So Tanarabanan, uh, our sages have taught, actually, this decree against learning Greek didn't come about then. It came about in a much earlier time, uh, at the time of the Chashmonaim, right, at the conclusion of the um, the reign of the Chashmonaim. Kishitsaru, Tanarabanan, we're talking about Kishitsaru, Malchali, Beis Chashmonaim, there was like a civil war between two sons. Of the Hashbarnaim, right? Uh, Hyrcanus and Aristobulus, bitter civil war. One was backed by the Romans, one backed by the Jews, uh, and there was just bitter fighting for a while. And this is actually what eventually broke and ended the chain of the Hash- the reign of the Hashbarnaim. So, Horcanus uh, Horcanus was outside the city of Yerushalayim, backed by the Roman army. Aristobulus and Aristobulus was inside the city. Uh, so now no one was allowed in or out of the city. Um, and, but, um, uh, every single day, the people inside the city, right, inside the city of Yerushalayim, would lower three, uh, dinarim, three coins in a box, and then the people, in exchange, the people on the other side would, uh, bring them, uh, sheep in order to bring the carbon tamid, right? There was a sort of pact between them that um, in order to keep the service in the base of Mekdash going. So there was an elder uh, inside the city of Yerushalayim that he knew Greek wisdom. So he sort of communicated with them and hinted to them, uh, and I guess kind of like a code language uh, in by like, using Greek wisdom. So I guess, I don't, you know, it doesn't say it was Greek language, by the way. It doesn't say he communicated them just speaking Greek. It says that he used, I guess, some sort of um, allegory, you know, using uh, Greek like principles of Greek uh, mythology or wisdom. Amar Lehem, he said to them, uh, you know what? You know what the Jews' secret is? You know why the siege is like dragging on forever and ever? Um, as long as the Jews inside the city are engaged with the service in the base of Mikdash, you're never going to conquer them. So the next day, uh, now, you know, now the... Uh, the wrote the um so now they figured out the secret. So the next day, the Jews lowered three dinar in a basket, expecting to get a sheep. The halulahem chazir, right? And instead of bringing them a sheep as normal, they uh they raised up, they put like attached a pig to the rope. Keeping shiagila Once the pig reached halfway up the wall, not see part of the. The pig dug its nails inside the wall. Nistaza Persa, and the entire land of Israel shook uh, for 400 Parsa. And that was obviously the beginning of the uh, defeat. 
at that time, Amru the sages said, Ar Adam Shiyak Gadal Chazirim, cursed is the man who raises pigs, but Ar Adam Shilam Dulai and cursed is the person who teaches his son Greek wisdom. While Isashat uh, and at that time, about this time period, uh, we're taught, um, right? During that year, they needed to bring the carbon omer from Gagastrifim, uh, right? And they needed to bring the Shtelechem from the valley of Ain Sofer, right? So generally, the carbon omer and the Shtelechem needs to be brought from a field of wheat that is as close to the base of Mekdash as possible. But at that time, because of the Civil War, the fighting completely decimated all of the farmland around. And so they needed to go all the way to these places, which are the outskirts of Eretz Israel, in order to get the wheat necessary for the base of Mekdash. Just gives a picture of like just the terrible uh, havoc and damage wreaked by the Civil War. Okay, so that, that was a story that told us the origins of this ban on Greek wisdom. So now the Gemara says, Eni, is that so? Is there really such a ban? Didn't Rebbe say, the Eretz Yisrael, Lashen Sorsi Lama, why should people speak Sorsi uh, in Eretz Yisrael? Sorsi is translated in English here as like Syriac. Uh, Rashi defines it as... Um, as it was, it was kind of the vernacular in that time. It's close to Aramaic. One might even say like a di- dialect of Aramaic. Uh, and he says that it's the language of the Talmud Yerushalmi, right? Which is similar to the Bible, but not the same. Uh, and it, it's basically a mix of Hebrew and the local language, right? So he's saying, why should people speak this kind of mixed language? I guess you could say kind of like the, right? Uh, either speak a pure Hebrew or speak a pure uh, Greek. But said a similar thing. Why should people speak Aramaic in Bavo, which is also kind of like a mixture, right? It's a mixture of Hebrew and the local uh, language. Uh, either Hebrew, speak a pure Hebrew, or speak Persian, which was the language used by the nobles. Um, so, so we could, so the Gemara says, right, we're talking about two different things. Greek language is one thing, right? And that obviously was promoted by Rabbi. Rabbi encouraged speaking Greek. And learning Greek wisdom is another thing entirely. And that's what was banned. Uh, the Gemara says, huh, really? Is Greek wisdom really banned? Didn't Rabbi Huda say the name of Shmuel? We should remember the name of Liel, the name of Shmuel Liel. What's the meaning of the Pasuk in Eicha? Sorry. Um, sorry, I just <laughs> didn't stop the Pasuk in the right place. Right? My eye uh, is like bemoaning for my soul because of all the daughters of my city. So he said, there were a thousand children in my father's house, like in his extended family. Five hundred learned Greek wisdom. Uh, and because of the, you know, destruction, in Eritrea, only two are left. Me here, and my uncle in Asia, which is, you know, in modern day Turkey. Uh, so anyways, we see from that story, implied in that story, is that half of uh, 
where Mishima and Liel's uh, family learned Greek wisdom. So he said, Shani, so like my answer, Shani shall base Rabbagam Liel. The house of Rabbagam Liel are different, right? They had a special exemption and permission to learn Greek wisdom, to cry on the Malchus because they're close to the monarchy, and therefore they needed to learn Greek wisdom in order to, um, you know, converse with the royal family. The Tanya, as it says, we see a similar exemption. Mistapir kumi, to cut one's hair in a kumi style, where it was kind of a Gentile hairstyle. That's called darke amairi, the ways of the Amorites, which is a forbidden, it's forbidden, right, to uh, dress or cut one's hair in a particular fashion, which is distinctively uh, un-Jewish. Ben Rubin, Aptulas Ben Rubin, he tiru sapir kumi, but the sage is allowed Aftulus bin Rubain to cut his hair in that kumi hairstyle. Shukar Humalchus, because he's he was sort of close to the monarchy, he had a you know prestigious job in the royal court. Um, and so therefore he needed to do that in order to, I guess, you know, fit in and do work that was necessary uh, for maintaining good relations between the Jewish community and the ruling authorities. Um, and similarly, they allowed the house of Regum Liel to learn Greek wisdom because they're close to the monarchy. Okay, the next thing the Mishnah taught was the Pulmasa Akhran Gezer Shalaitete Kalaba Parian Mechulu. Right, it says that uh, in the last war, the Chachamim decreed that a kala should not go out uh, in the Iparion, right, the uh, palanquin, the couch carried through the streets of the city. Uh, and then we said that later the Chachamim said it's only not allowed if she's outside the city, but if it's carried within the city streets, then they allowed it. My time, why did they allow it inside the city? Mishum, said because of modesty, right, uh, being carried on a couch would preserve the bride's modesty. The Mishnah went on. Mishnah made sure Ben Gamliel, but La Chachma when Riochim and Zagai died, the Chachma ceased. So Tana Rabbana, our sages have taught Mishnah made sure Be Eliezer Nignaz Sefer Torah. When Eliezer died, the Sefer Torah it's like as if a Sefer Torah was buried. Mishnah made sure Be Yeshua, but La Itza Umachshava. When Yeshua died, um, like wisdom advice. And wisdom ceased. Mishmeshur Riyakiva Batluzrai Tyra. Riyakiva died. The arm of Torah ceased. And the wealth springs of wisdom were plugged up. Mishmeshur Riyalazar Benazaria Batlu Ataras Chachma. Riyalazar Benazaria died. The crown of wisdom ceased. Shataras Chachamim Astram. It says the crowns of the wise as their riches. We should make sure we can even say that, but we actually might say the men of wondrous actions, of miraculous deeds ceased. We should make Abiyasi Ben Katnusa, but we have when Abiyasi Ben Katnusa died, the pious people ceased. Belama Nikrish, my Abiyasi Ben Katnusa, why is his name Ben Katnusa, right? Son of the small one, Shahim Mikitani Hasidim, that his generation, his in his era. Uh, the the pious men were already very few. When Ben Aze passed away, those who were diligent in Torah study ceased. When Ben Zoma passed away, those who expound Torah ceased. I like Gaivai, but Ravu Saris. 
uh, when we were showing him, Leo passed away. Um, locusts attacked the land and many troubles proliferated. Misha Mace Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Hanasi died. Uh, troubles doubled. Final line of the Mishnah says, Mishamais Rabbi Batla Nava Bayuraschait. Uh when Rabbi passed away, uh humility and fear of sin ceased. So we're told that Rabbi Yosef and Amora uh was, you know, learning this brisa. Amar Lay Rabbi Yosef Latana, Rabbi Yosef said to his Tana, right, the person his his kind of assistant in the base medrash who would uh, repeat, who would review uh, Mishnah's, and he said, you should actually make a correction in this Mishnah. Lo titni anava. Next time you teach this Mishnah, delete the line, delete the word anava. Deikana. Because after all, there's me. <laughs> it's basically saying, I am a nanav. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, you shouldn't say that anava has ceased because I'm around. Just say that your slate ceased. Uh, similarly, Amrli Rav Nachman Latana, Rav Nachman told his Tana, uh, who's reviewing the Mishnah in his base medrash, Life Sitni Yura Slate. Uh, delete the words Yura Slate um, because Ikana, because I'm around, I have Yura Slate, and therefore Yura Slate has not ceased. Okay, so this is a you know, famous uh, question right at this Kamara. Like, how could they possibly say this? <laughs> this seems like so... Um, Audacious. Yeah, like, you know, what, what could be a greater display of, of arrogance than this, right? Um, so there's there's so many different perspectives on, on how to read this this line of the of the Gemara, but just I'll just give like a, a few really fascinating ones. So so one is that... Um, uh, what, what, what Rabbi Yisif here is really saying, I'll, I'll focus more on, on Rabbi Yisif because I guess his statement seems a little more, um, you know, I guess even more bizarre, right, to be to be claiming to be humble, right? Um, so what, what he's saying here is that, is that, um, is that Rabbi Yisif actually, he actually was truly humble, right? He really felt like he, he wasn't, you know, he truly saw himself in like in a, in, a, in a humble way, but people were constantly giving him honor and respect, right? So what he was saying, when he was saying Ikana is he was saying, if, if all these people are showing me respect, look how humble they must be, right? Even someone like me who doesn't really have, isn't really someone of stature, the fact that people are showing me respect shows how humble they are, right? Um, and therefore, when he's saying Ikana, he's saying, if there's someone like me, even someone like me who do, isn't anyone special, people are showing me so much respect, look how humble all those people who are showing me respect are. Um, and therefore, there must still be humility around, right? That's really what he was trying to say. Um um, another idea from the Yisbach Maisha, he says that, you know, humility doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, I'm really somebody great, but because I have such great humility, I can like, I can look at myself or, or I, I, I can, I can see myself as not, you know, not, you know, such a, such a great person, even though I have such great qualities. He was saying sometimes somebody can, can actually be someone like, who actually isn't that great, right? You really, you really have a lot of negative qualities. Like that's actually true. And and you're just self-aware, right? It's not like, you know, you're not necessarily humble in the sense of like, you're really someone great, but you play down what you have, but you actually legitimately don't have any great qualities and you're just have the self-awareness to be to acknowledge that. So that's sort of how Rabbi Yosef saw his own, him himself, right? He said, I, I'm humble, but not humble because I have anything, you know, so anything, any special qualities to me, but I'm just aware of the fact that I, I, at least in his own eyes, he really felt that he was somebody um, who didn't have anything, any, any special qualities to him. And, but what he's saying is, he's saying, 
still, that's still considered humility, right? Humility doesn't necessarily have to be that you're somebody really great. And despite that, you have humility, but it could just, even the fact that you have the awareness, the self-awareness to acknowledge where your own faults are, that's also um, considered humility. Um, uh, another like really interesting interpretation of this is that when he says, um, uh, what he's really saying is don't say that Rebbe had real humility, right? Because he says Rebbe, you know, very often Rebbe would quote somebody, you know, one of his teachers or somebody else. And then he would say about, but, but I say, right? Um, right? I say. Um, so what, what the Rebbe Yisif here is saying is that you can't call Rebbe's humility a true humility because there is still an ana, there's still an I, Right. Because the fact that he he still has a sense of self. Right. He's able to assert his own opinion. Um, that shows that it's not, it's not it's not a real complete humility. So don't he wasn't saying Ikana like himself. He was saying that Rebbe. Right. Has an Ana. He has an eye. Um, and therefore you can't call it a real true um, um, humility. Um, and then another idea from the Sfas Emma. Sfas Emma says that that really what 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 what. Uh, both uh, Rav Yasef and Rav Nachman are saying here is they're not saying that these qualities of humility and and fear of sin are totally gone, right? They weren't saying that nobody exists. Um, sorry, the the the, the mission here isn't saying that that these qualities completely cease to exist. What it's saying is that from majority of people it no longer exists, right? This is like this has stopped becoming a common thing. But of course, there's always going to be select few who do have it. Right. So what what um, Rav Yasef and Rav Nachman are saying is, no, that's not true. You can't say that majority of people don't have these qualities anymore, because if even we right, if even right out of their humility, they're saying if even I have the quality of humility, then for sure, everybody, so many other people do. Right. Because, I, I, you know, I'm not anyone, anyone special. Right. So what they were really trying to say is that this is this, is, this must be a common quality that everybody has if if we are able to to have these qualities. Um, so just a few different ways of, of, of reading this um, and understanding sort of this this bizarre um, statement from Rabbi Yisrael And then just, just one more idea. Actually, there's a beautiful sicha that, that talks about this, about how it sort of describes what, you know, according to Hasidus, what true humility really is. And it says, you know, we have to sort of stop looking at humility as this denial of, of what we really have, right? Humility and, and, and low self-esteem or lack of confidence are not synonymous, right? And there's a way of having a certain, a certain awareness um, and honesty with ourselves about what we have and like what we're able to accomplish, what we're able to do and have a confidence in that. And at the same time, I have a sense of that all those qualities that I have are a gift from Hashem. And um, it's something that's been given to me in order to utilize for, for a purpose. And it's not something that I gave to myself, right? I have these qualities, I can be aware of that. And also have a sense that that this is something that's given to me for something a purpose that's higher than myself and beyond myself, and I can use them as uh, uh, devote them to something else um, outside of myself. And and Ragesev actually um, embodied this idea. Um, in the most powerful way. And that's actually why it says that Rabbi Yosef was called Sinai, right? Like that was his nickname was Sinai, right? Which simply just means like, you know, he was someone who was so knowledgeable in Tyra that he was like Har Sinai itself, right? Um, but also Har Sinai is also sort of, uh, sort of is, a, is a symbol of this concept, right? Because Har Sinai on the one hand is a mountain, right? It's it's high, it's, it has confidence, so to speak. But at the same time, it's also a, the lowest mountain, right? Because it's sort of this, this idea of this paradox on the one hand having this confidence and this, and this honesty and awareness of, of ourselves and what our what what qualities we have to contribute, but also being able to approach them with a sense of humility and and deference to to where it's coming from. That's not attributed to ourselves, but attributed to Hashem, and that's where we should be devoting our all of our capabilities. Okay.
Mazel Tov. We've finished the Masechta. Hadra Halach, Aigla Rufa, and Slika Len Masechta. Congratulations, and thank you for completing this journey with us. Yes, and just one idea about, sorry, about the Hadron. <laughs> just going to give a little note about how this, those words, Hadron Allah Agla Rufa, but Salika Allah how that even ties in to the conclusion of the Masakta. So um, there's a really beautiful idea um, that that says that um, this idea of what, what's Yiras Chet, right? What's the difference between Yiras and Yiras Kim, right? We have both of those terms used. Yiras Kim means, you know, being afraid, being, being, having this awe of Hashem and being afraid of disrespecting Hashem, doing something, doing a sin that's going to um, show a lack of respect to Hashem. But Yiras Hachet means being afraid of the sin itself, that which means like I'm afraid of, even if I'm not intending to disrespect Hashem, but if even unwittingly, even, you know, without me realizing that if I accidentally do a sin, I want to make sure I don't even do that because I don't want my body to be a vehicle through which something happens that's against Hashem's will. Um, and f- a person who has Yiras Hachet is going to do everything they can to sort of set limits and boundaries for themselves so that they don't even even accidentally um, commit a sin. And the example of that is the Saita, right? We, we start off in the very beginning of the Masefta, right? Right? That someone sees the, the episode of the Saita, they should take extra precautions, right? Like not drink any wine, right? Try to like set boundaries for themselves so they don't even accidentally um, do a sin, which is sort of what Yiras Chait is all about. And then this idea of anava, of humility, the the uh, one of the prime examples of that is the idea of Levaya, right? The whole we said that you know one of the things we learn from Egla Rufa is to escort guests, and escorting guests is sort of like a, dem- a demonstration of humility and, and and respect to that to the person who you're escorting. So the conclusion of this Masechta is that of Nachman or Beis are saying right. Similar to what we said from the Sfasemets, right? They weren't just saying about themselves; they're saying about the whole generation that we're living in a generation where we have Yeruschi, we have Anava. These things are not lost, right? And because we have, they're sort of, you know, bringing, uh, showing merit to the generation that they're living in. And therefore, Hazrin Allah Agla Rufa, we should no longer need an Agla Rufa, right? Because people already have um, Anava. And Saita, we should no longer need to have the episodes of Saita because we already have the quality of Yeruschi, and therefore we don't need those things anymore. Um, it's just a way of tying, tying together. Wow. That's so great. L'chaim. Yes. And yes, mazel up again to everyone for finishing Saita and for joining us. And may we, yeah, on to many more. Exactly. See you for the next one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>